Welcome to the Know and Love Podcast, where we discuss how to interpret the scriptures for everyday life in order to grow in our devotion to God and His Word. We are your hosts, Adam and Rachel Pereira, and we are so glad that you joined us today. Well, hello, and welcome to episode seven of the Know and Love Podcast. We are glad that you are joining us, and we are going to seek to answer the question over the next few episodes, uh, what about the covenants? And you know, uh, as I was thinking about the covenants, I was thinking one of the greatest inventions that I think uh, has been invented uh, in the last, I don't know, three decades, the the greatest of the past three decades is what we know as the GPS device. (laughs) Uh, I am not navig- I am not navigationally gifted, if that's a term, <laughs> and uh, I allow- I'm allowing Rachel to share this story. It is kind of one of my uh, most embarrassing stories, but uh, Rachel, you can take it away. It's if one you of your want. most embarrassing stories, but it's one of my favorites. <laughs> when we were first uh, dating, we weren't engaged yet. I went to visit Adam's family in uh, Orlando, Florida, so big city, and we decided to have kind of a a date day to go explore, and we ended up going to uh, a pretty large mall there, pretty far from from his parents' house. And uh, while we were there, we got a notification that the mall was actually going to be closing early because of an incoming hurricane. We knew the hurricane was coming, but we didn't know it was going to be uh, that soon. So they were closing the mall early, so we stopped looking at engagement rings, <laughs> and we decided to leave. And, and as we're pulling out of the parking lot, of course, this was pre-GPS. I don't even think we printed a MapQuest map, did we? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't remember, but yeah, to get the directions, you did have to print the the MapQuest map. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. even think we had that, though. I think we, we were going just from your brain power. <laughs> yeah. So as we were pulling out, um, uh, you started turning a certain way, and I said, are you sure this is the right way to turn? Of course, I wasn't from there, so I wasn't familiar, and your yeah. answer was? Yeah, well, I tried to to. to seem as confident as possible. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is the right way. <laughs> and I said, okay. So we started driving and uh, traffic was just terrible. You could tell the weather was getting bad and um, something just didn't feel right. And we were just, <laughs> we were actually driving in the complete opposite direction of where we needed to go. Um, we were kind of in bumper to bumper traffic. Um, Skies were getting darker. Yes. Um, and all of the uh, cell phone, we did have a cell phone, but all of the Cell phone lines were all jammed too. We couldn't even get through to call um, Adam's parents to figure out the best way to get turned around. Um, so we finally pulled into a gas station, um, which also looked like it was being all closed down and, and shut down for the hurricane. And there was one man outside, and we asked him which was which direction should we be going, where where we you know could get on the right route. And he said that everything was being shut down and evacuated, that no man, there was no way we were going to be able to get back to Adam's house, which kind of also made us panic a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what was plan B going to be? Right. Yeah. But we did turn around and we made it. Yes. We finally made it back. We got a hold of Adam's parents and we were able to get directed back. But I still use that to this day as a just a funny story about Adam's lack of sense of direction. <laughs> and the reason we bring that up is because what we're going to be talking about over the next few episodes is super important to our direction in studying scripture. It's kind of like uh, a compass or a GPS that help us helps us navigate the Bible. Yeah, unfortunately, over the, the past... Uh, um, Ooh, here's a test. Uh-oh. The, the, uh, I don't know why I drew a blank here. Over the past 15 <laughs> years of marriage, the, uh, the navigational skills haven't much improved, although... Again, the GPS is such a help. <laughs> but but yeah, we're going to look at uh, this important element of Bible interpretation that if we don't get the covenants, we're going to really struggle uh, in interpreting the Bible. Um, so whether you're driving, whether you're hiking out in the woods, whatever the case may be, uh, it's important to know a sense of direction. 
uh, whether that is a GPS or a compass or um, or whatever you're using to to know where you're headed, where you're at, and that and knowing where you're at and where you're headed is going to help you in the specific location that that you find yourself. Um, so we are going to see that the covenants serve this purpose of of direction, of uh, signposts, so to speak, to know and to help us interpret where we're at in the Bible, where we're at in the storyline of the Bible. And, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about over the next few episodes. Yeah, and I think it's good to start with answering some really basic questions because you may be listening and think, um, yeah, I think I've heard this term before, but I don't really even know what you're talking about when it comes to covenants. So let's answer the question. First of all, what is a covenant? Yeah, um, a covenant, uh, kind of a maybe a, 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 a little bit longer of, an, uh, of a definition. And a, a covenant would really be an agreement between two or more parties that brings those parties into a, a special relationship of commitment and obligation. Uh, maybe a little bit shorter of a definition would be uh, a covenant uh, is an agreement between two or more people that brings about a special relationship. Uh, so in that relationship, um, that is that is that is uh, where the two individuals or however many may be make a covenant. Um, there may already be a, a prior existing relationship, but but it brings that relationship into a deeper, newer sense, and there are promises and obligations that are that are brought about through that uh, covenant. So the most practical modern day example would probably be marriage, right? Yes, marriage is is a great example, and a covenant is different than a contract. Uh, we have lots of contracts today, but you know, contracts they're impersonal. I mean, you enter into a contract with somebody. There, there, there's not really a relationship that is formed right. through a contract. Um, you're, you're simply um, listing out. Uh, what obligations are, but contracts can be broken. There can be penalties for that, but a covenant is something that is meant to be um, to bring about a, 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 a newer or deeper sense of relationship where there are benefits and obligations. Uh, and marriage is a great example of of a modern day covenant. So, if we know what a covenant is, then what? Function, I guess you could say, do covenants serve in the Bible? If we're looking specifically at a Bible context, yeah. Well, I think uh, the covenants are so important in the uh, uh, in the Bible. Um, uh, one thing that they that they do for us is they describe God's relationship uh, with humanity, uh, and and in an even more specific uh, level, they describe God's relationship with. His people, his chosen people, um, as one person once said rightly, covenant is the language of relationship. Mm. So, so when we read of the covenants that God makes in the Bible, uh, what these covenants are describing for us is God's initiative of His forming a relationship with His people right. and what He promises to do. Uh, in, for, and and with his people, um, so so that's that's one of the biggest functions describing God's relationship uh, with humanity, with his people. You mentioned earlier when you were just defining what a covenant is that it also has obligations and um, uh, privileges. Uh, what was the other word you use? Obligations and. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. It was really good. It flew out of my brain too. But um, would you say that there's uh, those same kind of obligations between God and His people then in a covenant? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so the covenants in, uh, serve the function in the Bible. You not only describing God's relationship with humanity, but describing the obligations in those covenants that that uh, God has placed upon Himself and God has placed upon those uh, with whom He He covenants together with. Um, so, and we're going to see this as we look over um, the six covenants of the Bible. 
um, that there at times is a tension between God's promises and man's responsibilities. Uh, So at times God will say, I am going to do this um, no matter what, but at the same time, um, there's, there's obligations uh, that that God places upon His covenant partners that okay walk in my ways follow me obey me so we're going to kind of unpack some of those things um, as we look at these six covenants good yeah and then uh, I think the last element to discuss before we get through some specific ones is you know we use the whole illustration at the beginning of needing a GPS, needing direction and location. Um, how do you feel like covenants are um, related to that kind of idea of knowing where we are in Scripture, kind of finding our place? Yeah, uh, thinking about the GPS, the compass, uh, another word picture would be the covenants give us, as we read the Bible, a roadmap mm-hmm. uh, of the entire Bible. So so as, each, as God... Uh, establishes or or makes a, each covenant, uh, it progresses the storyline of the Bible. Uh, it builds uh, upon what has already happened in the Bible. Uh, it provides us with um, the framework for the unfolding story of redemption. And, and again, we're going to kind of trace some of those things through each of the covenants. Um, but uh, they, yeah, they, 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 they progress, they provide a roadmap, and it's really important in even being able to decipher, okay, uh, so in this portion of Scripture, what covenant uh, uh, are God's people under? So, so uh, you know, when we're talking about food laws and, and uh, how the people are to uh, not mix certain uh, fabrics and things like that, um, some people will say, well, why don't we do that if the Bible, uh, if we really follow the Bible? Well, th- they're not understanding that that was under a certain covenant right. that God gave those regulations to his people, and we're no longer under that covenant. Right. Uh, so all of those things are, are tying into uh, how the covenants help us interpret the scriptures. So over the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about what... Uh, what each of these covenants is. We're going to look at six of them, right? I have yep. the right number in my head. We're going to look at six of them, and um, we're going to try to focus on the first two in today's episode. Um, so the first one we're going to jump into specifically, it starts way back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1 um, to 2 or 3, and that would be what we call the uh, creation covenant. So let's jump right into that one. Yeah, and 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 before we even do that, uh, just real quick, uh, kind of a, a plug uh, in hearing some of these podcasts. If you are interested um, in further reading about the these covenants, uh, one re- one really big massive work that uh, if you have a lot of time and and you're at the place to handle it, uh, that is a great resource is uh, the book uh, Kingdom Through Covenant. It's by uh, Peter Gentry and Stephen Wellam. Um, but th- it's a massive book. It's like 800 plus pages. Um, but we'll we'll include a link should you be interested in that resource uh, in the show notes. Uh, there is a revised or, or there is a uh, condensed version that's out there that's a little bit easier uh, to read. That's about maybe two or three hundred uh, pages. <laughs> but then another really practical, um, shorter um, help is Tom Schreiner's book. Um, it's called, I believe, it's called Covenant and God's Purpose for the World. Uh, it's a series. It's in a. It's one of a series of books uh, in the series Short Studies in Biblical Theology. And that is, I would really encourage somebody if they're not at all familiar with the covenants, um, that that is a great starting point mm-hmm. um, to uh, to to begin doing some extra reading about the covenants. Uh, but yeah, going back to, to what you said, the creation covenant, um, I think a short, concise way to describe this covenant would be uh, this covenant gives us the goal of creation. So the creation covenant or uh, the uh, God's creation uh, or God's covenant he makes with creation, it provides for us from the very first pages of scripture the goal that God has for his creation. And this covenant was between God and Adam, right? As the first. Yeah, yeah. This covenant was between God and Adam. 
Um, when you look at God as the covenant uh, initiator, he's the one that engages Adam in this covenant. Um, you see some hints of this uh, in the fact that over and over again, God's covenant name is used, Yahweh, or if you look in the English Bible, you know, L-O-R-D, Lord in all caps. Uh, Genesis 2-4, for instance, in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and earth. Um, verse 5, the Lord God had not caused it to rain. Uh, you see repeatedly God's covenant name being used. So God is the initiator of the covenant, and, and uh, Adam uh, is the one whom God makes covenant with. So God creates Adam, and we in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, uh, we see that God creates Adam unique. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. Uh, and, and it goes on, verse 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So Adam and Eve are, are God's image bearers. And, and as his image bearers, um, we also see a special relationship uh, is established that uh, Adam is God's son. And, and in fact, uh, the, the, the word son is never used in, in Genesis 1 or 2. Uh, but, but if you flip over to, to Genesis 5, when it talks about Adam's descendants, uh, it starts off, um, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. And then it says, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Mm -hmm. uh, so you see this, this sonship relationship. Um, and, and, and as you read further in the Bible, in Exodus 4, uh, Israel is called God's son, son. Yeah. And, and God enters into covenant with Israel. So you see here this relationship that is, that is formed uh, first and foremost because God has created Adam. So there is already that relationship there. But along with that relationship of uh, that intimate relationship of creator and creation, uh, you have uh, another uh, aspect of that relationship of covenant creator and covenant son. Mm -hmm. And and God makes him makes Adam in the image of God. And you know, there's there's a functional aspect uh, um, to this being in the image of God. You know, how does Adam function? Uh, as God's image bearer. Well, he he represents God's rule in his creation. And, and that's why he, he says, um, God blessed them. God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Um, so Adam is, is uh, God's representative in his creation. Uh, he, he also, in Genesis 2.15, it says God placed, um, he, the Lord took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. Um, same language, work and keep, that, that we read later in the Bible, Numbers 3, 7, and 8, for instance, of priests who worked and kept or guarded uh, the tabernacle uh, and, and later the temple. So Adam is really pictured, it's really cool, Adam's pictured in this kind of temple garden that, that, that where God's presence dwelled with man and with woman in the garden as this kingly priest who, who ruled God's creation, who was to spread God's glory and God's rule as, as Adam continued to subdue the earth, that was, to, um, that was to continue to grow until it covered God's whole creation. Right. And, and that uh, element of that covenant wasn't a passive thing. I mean, he wasn't just made in God's image and he just sat in this perfect garden <laughs> enjoying the view and eating the fruits. I mean, he had some jobs and some specific roles to carry out in that 
covenant. And I think that idea of him functioning as um, a priest in this garden, paralleling like what you mentioned later in Numbers and even going all the way to the end of the Bible, um, to the new heavens and the new earth, like that, uh, I I never knew about that until just a few years ago when I was uh, reading or studying. And I just remember thinking that was such a light bulb moment of what a beautiful picture of uh, what Adam was called to do um, and then how that idea progresses throughout Scripture. It's yeah, just really I, cool. again, the, the, the connection, the connection that we find from the very first pages of Scripture to, to the last pages. And, and that's really why uh, this creation covenant, I think, can be described as, as the goal of creation, right. um, that, that uh, there's a, there is a perfect relationship between the covenant God and, and, and Adam, and uh, Adam is called to perfectly represent God, to rule his creation for him. Um, in fact, in Psalm chapter 8, um, when, when you hear the description um, that David writes, you, see, you really see kind of the, the, the kingly role that God gave Adam in, in ruling his creation. It says, "'You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings.'" And crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion. There's the creation language that uh, God gives Adam. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And, and all sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea. What does that sound like? Yeah. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Uh, so you see, that is the role that God gave Adam. Um, and unfortunately, of course, we know that Adam failed in his, in his uh, role as, as an obedient image bearer. Um, uh, so, so, you know, the covenant stipulations, uh, you know, we talked earlier that, that uh, in God's covenants, he puts obligations on, on uh, those he covenants with. And um, you read that in Genesis 2.17, how was Adam supposed to exercise his obedience to, to God. Yeah, most people are pretty familiar with those kind of stipulations that, you know, he was supposed to work the garden and um, he had the responsibility to name the animals, but then the stipulations then was that he could eat of every tree of the garden. But verse 17 says, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for the in the, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So um, there was definitely some some rules set up, some obligations set up. Yeah, will Adam uh, will Adam follow God and and be obedient to his covenant Creator? Um, guard the garden from evil, from the serpent. Uh, listen to God, or, or or is he going to go his own way? And, and of course, uh, there is that covenant failure right. in Genesis three. Right. That, in fact, later on in Hosea six and verse seven, um, another indicator that there is a covenant with creation. And, and I know we'll talk we'll talk about this in a bit, but it actually says in Hosea six seven. But like Adam, speaking of Israel, they transgress the covenant. Hmm. There they dealt faithlessly with me. So it's referencing, and there's some debate, some theological debate, is Adam, is it talking about a person or a place? And it really seems the context is referring to Adam in the garden, that they broke that covenant. Right. So that, so that brings us to another interesting kind of element of this. In these chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis, we don't specifically see that word covenant, like maybe we would in some of the others. Um, so is the fact that this is included in the, the list of covenants that we're going through, is that is that up for debate? Do, do people have different opinions on that? It is up for debate if, if uh, there really was a creation covenant, because the word covenant's not used. Uh, but all of the the characteristics that we read of in the Bible of a covenant between God and people, it's there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very, it's very legitimate to say that there's a creation covenant. In fact, um, the word covenant doesn't appear in 1 Samuel 7 when God uh, makes a covenant with David that there will be, uh, his seed will forever uh, rule on the throne of Israel. Um, but yet Psalms and Jeremiah, they say God made a covenant right. with David. So um, the word isn't used, 
Uh, but yet in First Samuel seven, but there was a definite covenant made with David, and I think that's the that's the case here as well. Um, in fact, uh, um, in uh, what everybody agrees with that there was a covenant with Noah, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it's interesting in Genesis six eighteen uh, where it talks about. Uh, God establishing a covenant in Genesis 9-9, and, and we'll talk about all that in a bit. Uh, it's actually um, the word established uh, many times in the Bible refers to um, reinforcing or establishing a covenant that was already made hmm. um, uh, be- previously. And, and so when it says, I will establish my covenant with you, uh, I think it's really referring, I am going to establish the covenant that was already in existence in creation. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, So if this creation covenant is uh, the goal of creation, like you mentioned earlier, um, how would you say that this fits in as kind of what we were talking about as a roadmap for all of Scripture or redemption throughout Scripture? Does it set us up for that? Yeah, I think uh, we see here in Genesis 1 1 and 2 and, and, and... Really, Genesis one to three, um, with the create this creation covenant where God covenants with with Adam, and uh, um, and, and then Genesis three when that covenant's broken, we see that this creation covenant it really sets the foundation for the unfolding of redemption. Um, before sin ever enters into the world. In fact, in, in these first two chapters of Genesis, um, the scriptures lay out for us, this is the end goal, right. that there's a perfect relationship between God and his creation, that, uh, that, that mankind are to be God's perfect image bearers and representatives, that they are to, to multiply, that they are to, there are to be image bearers that multiply, that fill the earth as obedient to their covenant creator so that God's glory um, can shine uh, throughout his creation. And, and, and that's really the, the end goal of scripture. Right. And you see so many themes here too, don't you? I mean, you see themes that are, that are laid out that then progress throughout scripture over and over again. Too. Yeah, yeah, throughout the Bible. And, and that's why these first uh, these first chapters of Genesis are so crucial to the Bible. Really, Genesis 1 to 11 sets out pretty much all of the themes that mm-hmm. will be um, played out throughout the rest of scripture. You know, you have the theme of, of image bearers and sons, and, and we'll even talk about this with some of the other covenants. How does that play out? How does that culminate in the person of Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, you have the, the tabernacle or temple theme that we see uh, the very first temple where God's presence dwelt with man. It was the Garden, the Garden of Eden. Right. And, and in fact, even later on when the tabernacle and the temple are, are built and when God describes how to build the tabernacle... Um, uh, there is, and we don't have time to go into it, but the description of the tabernacle and of the temple, it greatly resembles the way that the Bible describes the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, themes of land, uh, the, the garden, you know, the law uh, that where God's presence dwelt physically in a location with with Adam, and that was lost in Genesis three. But then God promises that he's going to bring the people into a new land, and God's going to dwell there uh, with them in the temple. Um, the, the theme of, of covenant rest in and, and Genesis 2, um, and that rest, you know, finding its fulfillment in Jesus. In so all of those things, and, and not to mention, even in Adam, Adam's failure uh, with uh, disobeying God, I mean, the very... Uh, the very promise in Genesis 3.15 that, that God gives, and, and he says to Eve, from you is going to come um, one who's going to crush the head of the serpent. And, and that, that's, that's the very um, key verse in interpreting the rest of the Bible that we see that, that there's going to come this, this offspring that's going to undo what Adam did. And that's played out through the rest of the Bible. That's almost like the lens that we now 
interpret Interpret, scripture post-fall. Yeah, yeah, so so we see this creation covenant, um, it is foundational to Mm -hmm. every other covenant that plays out in in, in the scriptures. Right, we have to kind of keep referring back to this creation covenant, uh, especially Genesis 3.15, like you mentioned. I feel like it's almost hard to uh, look at many other passages without jumping back to Genesis 3.15. It's kind of the springboard for um, what God is going to do throughout Scripture, which um, just for time's sake, let's keep moving. Um, We could probably talk about this over uh, many, many hours, but we're going to jump to the next covenant, which is the covenant with Noah. So we've talked through the first couple chapters of Genesis, and the covenant of Noah is still found in Genesis um, a little farther on, though. And let's talk a little bit about this um, covenant relationship with God and now Noah. Yeah, covenant with Noah, or the the, the, the covenant God makes with Noah, um, we kind of describe the creation covenant as the goal of creation. Um I would kind of describe this covenant with Noah uh, with the little phrase, the canvas of redemption. And and I'll I'll kind of explain what what I mean by that as we go along. But God does make this covenant with Noah. In fact, in Genesis 6.18, we we read, uh, let me find it, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. So we see it's a covenant with Noah. It's a covenant with his family. But then in in chapter 9 and verse 17, we really read that it's a covenant with that extends beyond Noah. Uh, Genesis 9, 17, God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Um, so this is a covenant made with Noah. It extends to his family, uh, but this really has implications for um, all that is on all, that is on yeah, the earth, yeah. all flesh. Right. Yeah, it goes way past just between God and Noah. Yeah, but when we look specifically at Noah, um, as he is the one that God makes a covenant with, we kind of see uh, Noah's heart uh, in Genesis six uh, verse. Eight, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And then it says later, talking about the generations of Noah in the very next verse, Noah walked with, uh, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Uh, Hebrews 11 in the New Testament, it says that he was an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Um, so this is in the, uh, this description of Noah, what's really important, it's, it's, against the backdrop of the horrible wick- wickedness that's, that's, that's on the earth. Which is completely different from the, the covenant that we saw in creation, whereas you had this perfect backdrop there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Adam failed in that situation, but now we have a totally different situation on our hands, this wickedness that's everywhere. Yes, yeah, sin's now here. And, and again, the, the how the story line of scripture, it, it progresses and we see it now with this new covenant God's going to make. What happened? Adam uh, failed as, as the, the head of creation. Uh, and Romans talks about that Adam was the head of creation, and because of him, sin came into this world, Romans 5, 17. And now, man, sin is just rampant. Everywhere. It's right. everywhere. Um, the, the wickedness, uh, the earth, uh, Genesis 6, 11 says, was filled with violence. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it kind of describes today, doesn't it? Right, right. Um, and so, so here we have this individual that, um, that is following God, and God says, I am going to establish my covenant. I'm going to pretty much um, establish this covenant that was already made back at creation. So my plan has not changed, right. even though sin is in the world, mm-hmm. is what God is saying. Right. Yeah. So um, so we see that that this is... There, there's also some, some uh, clues in the Bible that show us that this covenant really runs parallel to the covenant God already made with Adam in creation. Um, there's, there's similarities. In fact, I think what would be kind of cool uh, is, is if, if you read uh, a certain 
passage of Scripture in Genesis 1 and 2, and then I read um, what's being described with Noah and okay. kind of compare this. We compare the two. So should we start with uh, Genesis 1, 2, um, way back at the beginning? Um, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Yeah, and then read verse 9, too. So down in verse 9, God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Yeah, so it's almost like we're back when we get to Noah and God destroys um, you know, humanity in the flood. It's almost like we're back at creation. Mm-hmm. So so this, this covenant with Noah, it's reestablishing what was already there in creation. Because when you read Genesis 8... Um, one to three, you you can hear the similarities, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep. There's that word deep again. Yep. yep. And the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens were restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. So again, you see kind of like what the verse you read, the passage the earth is, you know, kind of the water separating and you, you have the dry land. Right. Another one would be having to do with the animals. Um, so Genesis 1, 20 uh, says, God says, let the water swarm with the swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth ex- across the expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea creatures and living creatures that move with the waters swarming according to their kinds, winged birds. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, morning, the fifth day. And then um, all the creatures, livestock, creeping things and beasts. And again, uh, God made them according to their kinds and God saw that it was good. Yeah, and then when you go over and you read Genesis 8, talking about the animals coming out of the ark, it's, uh, bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Uh, And then verse 19, every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. So again, you see this parallel with God creating the animals, and you see um, coming out of the ark, you see these this be- new, beginning new beginning of even the animals right. in this in this kind of cleansed earth, so to speak. Right, right, kind of a, f- a fresh start. Yeah, um, and then of course you know the the pinnacle of God's creation being man. Um, in chapter one, verse twenty eight, it says, "And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it." and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and every living thing that moves on the earth. So how does that play out in Noah's time? Yeah, in chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply on the earth. When you jump down to verse 7, it says, And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. So God is telling Noah as kind of this new Adam to do the same thing he told he told Adam in the garden, mm-hmm. to be fruitful, to multiply um, as his image bearers. In fact, uh, in Genesis 9, 6, it talks about God made man in his own image. So mm-hmm. these image bearers are still supposed to multiply. Yeah, yeah. again, to God, fill the earth with God's, God's plan glory. hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah yep. exactly. I mean, I don't know if we want to go through more, but there's plenty of other... Um, parallels we see through this. I don't know if with time if we want to keep doing it, but um, we have, they were supposed to have dominion over the earth like Adam was, but yet now he's dealing with a broken creation. I mean, the flood came, but but sin was still present. You know, I mean, it was a cleansed earth, but, but now Noah is having to deal with, in, in verse 2, um, dealing with the curse of sin now, which is a little different than chapter 1. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, even talking about that dominion, um, it, 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 uh, it talks in, in, with Noah in Genesis uh, 9 that, they, that the animal, there will almost be a fear that mm-hmm. the animals now have of man. Right. And, and you even see the parallels where Adam gives, uh, or God gives Adam um, 
the, the food to eat, the plants, uh, to eat of the trees. Uh, and, and then in Genesis 9, you see God gives along with the plants that they are able to to eat the animals, but not the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see that there's there's this continuation from the covenant with um, with Adam in the garden, but there's also differences, and really the differences are because sin is now because of the curse yeah. on the earth. Right, right. Um, another one I was thinking of was Genesis one fourteen, where God established. Um, the lights in the heavens to separate the day from the night, the, the signs and for seasons, for days and for years. Um, I think that's referenced again um, in uh, eight, chapter 8, maybe? Yeah, eight, uh, verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Mm-hmm. And, and that's getting into um, what God... Um, promises in this covenant. And, and really, that, uh, that can be described along with the sign that God gives for this covenant, which is the, the beautiful rainbow that right. we see after, after a rainy day. Right. When we think of the story of Noah, we think of uh, almost immediately the ark and the rainbow. Those are the pictures that pop into our mind, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so what God says in, in uh, Genesis 9 and specifically verses 8 to 17 is, I am not going to destroy the world with a flood anymore. Um, and, and, and basically what he's saying is that until um, redemption is complete, there will no longer be this type of judgment where all of humanity mm-hmm. um, really is is judged and um, is kind of wiped earth. out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so God is going to in, uh, God is go- God's patience is going to to persevere, kind of until that last day. Right. And uh, and what does he do? He says, "Here's my sign of the covenant," and 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 there's other signs in some of the other covenants we'll talk about. Here's here's the sign of my covenant: this rainbow. And really, what's interesting is when uh, that word for bow that's used, um, it is the same word for a warrior's bow. Mm-hmm. Um, that like Genesis forty eight verse twenty two, Joshua twenty four verse twelve. Um, uh, you you read that word bow in the context of a warrior's bow, so it's almost the picture that God is hanging up the bow, right? And he's he's hanging it up in the sky, saying, "I am not going to cast my uh, universal judgment on the earth again, right? Until my plan is complete, right. and, and that bow is even facing upward, right. as as some theologians have commented um, that." You know, should God break that covenant, that bow is pointed upward at Himself. Kind of that guarantee that this covenant mm-hmm. will uh, come to pass. Be upheld. Yeah. So that yeah. doesn't mean that there's not local catastrophes, and and there's not. I mean, we we see catastrophe all the time, but but what it's talking about is universal judgment. Mm-hmm. Um. So in kind of tying together this covenant. Um, and, and how we see the progression from Genesis 1 to 3 to now coming up to this covenant with Noah is that there's now wickedness. The wickedness of humanity and the brokenness of this world has been playing itself out since Genesis 3. Right, right. Um, and we see this, this uh, uh, kind of continued uh, promise that, you know, the, the the seed is going that that the offspring of the woman that that God gave Adam and Eve. Well, now we see that God tells Noah mm-hmm. and his family to be fruitful and multiply. So we see, okay, so this promised seed back from Genesis three fifteen, it's going to be coming from Noah and his family now. Right, it's kind of starting to narrow in. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, and and you know you have. Before the flood, you had, you know, those who were kind of followers of the serpent, the seed of the serpent, um, versus Noah, who walked with God, kind of the the seed of promise. 
and, and, and they were clashing, and God brings judgment on those who followed the serpent. And you have here Noah, again, as, as part of that godly offspring that there is going to come a redeemer through, through you, Noah. Right. Um, and, and you also see here, and this is where the canvas of redemption description comes in, that there's, there's the promise of universal preservation until redemption has been made complete. Right, and that's what we talked about, right, in chapter 9, verse 11, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by waters. Um, the universal flood will never happen again, tying in with the rainbow, right? Yeah, yeah. So when, when you picture a painter or a drawer, and let's say they're, 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 they're painting, I guess an artist is a better word than <laughs> drawer. drawer. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the, 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 the artist is painting, and what happens? Now, this isn't true of God, uh, but the artist, you know, they say, I'm, I want to, I'm going to do this over. Uh, you know, I'm going to uh, get out another canvas and, and paint again. Well, God is basically saying here, this canvas is going to be painted and is going to play out throughout redemption. Mm-hmm. There are no universal do-overs, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to play out. In fact, that's why you know, we see kind of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man, the 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 wheat and the and the tares that have to be divided at the end of time, because those things are going to grow together until right. until that final day. Right. Um. So, so uh, we see here that now God is saying, no more universal judgment until redemption is complete. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this this covenant really answers the problem that was left off with the broken covenant of creation. That God says, "Hey, I'm reestablishing my covenant with you, Noah. Nothing has changed, and I am going to continue to work my plan, even though sin is in this world, until my plan before sin ever came into this world is complete." And that's where this covenant with uh, Noah um, continues um, this storyline of redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the big problem is, is that even though God cleanses the world through the flood, uh, where does sin reside? In, in the heart of man. In, in our still hearts. There, right? and, and, and we see that Noah, who's pictured as kind of another Adam, I mean, he he's a, a, a sinful creation. He's a sinful uh, covenant image bearer, just like Adam was. Right. We in fa- see yeah. failure again on his part. Yeah. And, and in fact, the, the parallels are kind of striking. In Genesis 9, verse 20, it says, Noah uh, began to be a man of the soil, which Adam was, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Mm-hmm. So you almost see like from the fruit of the vine, kind of like Adam partook of the fruit and he his nakedness was exposed you see that Noah here, uh, from fruit again, mm-hmm. he's lying there naked. Right. And yeah. you see, again, the shortcoming of Noah in being uh, a covenant uh, keeper with right. God. Right, uh, We mentioned that Genesis 3.15 was kind of that climactic point in the creation covenant. Uh, what would you say is the, the climax, perhaps, of this covenant with Noah? Well, I would I would say again that promise of that um, God is is not going to provide uh, or not going to um, universally judge humanity uh, until redemption is finished. That that is the the, the key point of the, of this covenant, and and it's so important because it does not take long. You get from Genesis nine, and you only go two more chapters, and you get to Genesis eleven. And it talks about the Tower of Babel. And once again, the earth is full of wickedness right. and sin. And, and, and the people come together and they say, rather than, hey, let us be obedient as God's image bearers. And Genesis 11.4, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for who? Ourselves. Ourselves. Yeah. Uh, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And that's what God said, be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. And they want to go their own way. They want to be 
um, their own gods, just like like we see with Adam and Eve, that they see the fruits desirous, you know, that they would become wise, that they would know good from evil. And, and, and so we see once again God's creation uh, on a worldwide level uh, rebelling. And then, of course, God uh, confounds their language and um, he, 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 pr- he pronounces kind of a, a judgment through the scattering, but we're also going to see uh, later that that's a blessing, that they're actually, by God scattering them, they are, uh, multi- they are spreading throughout the earth. Right. Um, so we see that, man, just like the, the creation covenant, it ends in Adam and Eve's rebellion. We see the creation uh, or the covenant with, uh, with Noah, um, it does not stop that, that rebellion. Mm-hmm. Again, worldwide rebellion. But God is going to be faithful to his covenant that his plan of redemption will be fulfilled. Right. So I think we prob- probably better put the pause button on there, the to be continued, um, because we have several other covenants to talk about, but um, there's just so much in each one of these to discuss, and they are so important to that storyline of scripture. So we want to make sure to give each one its its due attention. So um, we'll have more to come in future episodes. And talking about these covenants, maybe you're not familiar with them. Maybe it started to spark some questions in your mind. Like we've mentioned in past episodes, head over to our website, knowandlovepodcast.com, and you'll You'll find a place there. You can shoot us an email. You can also send us a, an audio question if you have one um, just through your podcast app. But we would love to hear your thoughts um, as as you explore these covenants with, with us. Definitely. And if you don't want to go to the uh, the website, you can you can email us a question at knowandlovepodcast at gmail.com. Right. So we look forward to uh, the next episode where we will... Um, continue to talk about the covenants. Uh, But until then, may you be filled with the love and peace of Christ. You've been listening to the Know and Love podcast with Adam and Rachel Pereira. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on any of the apps that you use for your podcast listening, like iTunes or Spotify. That way, when the next episode drops, you'll be able to have it automatically on your device. Also, make sure to contact us with any questions or feedback on our website, knowandlovepodcast.com. We love hearing from you because it helps us shape the direction and the content of any future episodes.